Uh, we have been studying uh, recently specifically about the children of Israel as they were getting ready to go into the promised land. And for those of you who uh, what, you know, attend and listen to the uh, Wednesday night services, this is going to be kind of a rerun. For some of you at point, you're kind of delayed anyway, so you're going to hear it again. But uh, certain things in life we need to hear again. And as I was getting ready to prepare for Sunday, uh, I just couldn't let go of this message. And I thought, you know, I need to share this with everybody. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. We're going to take a look at the story of Moses and the Israelites as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Now let me give you a little backup here as to what has happened. Uh, The children of Israel, God comes to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, makes these promises to them that this incredible land that they were walking over would someday belong to them. Uh, Hence the name promised land. Okay. Well, they eventually wound up in Egypt. And uh, initially, under wonderful circumstances, Joseph was like the most powerful man in the world. They were greatly blessed. But then new pharaohs came along and they enslaved the Jews. And they were slaves for 430 years. A long time. And they cried out to God, constantly praying, God, when will you deliver us and send us to the land that you promised? And then Moses comes and in glorious fashion gets them all out of Egypt. I mean, serious butt-kicking was going on. I mean, Moses showed up, say, Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. He said, I ain't letting them go. And then, boom, some plague would slam them. And then he'd go, okay, maybe I'll change my mind. But then he'd renege again. And he said, let them go. They won't let them go. And just one plague after another. Finally, Pharaoh, after how many plagues, finally gives up. Kind of a slow guy. I mean, I first bunch of frogs I'd have run into. I said, you take them, man. I'm out of here. But uh, they, they wouldn't quit. So finally, he lets them out. And then even then, they're no further down the road when Pharaoh changes his mind again. Ah, go back there and get them. So he sends the army after them. They're all freaking out. Ah, ah, what are we going to do? God opens up the sea. They cross along dry ground. The Israelites, or the, 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 the Egyptians come after them. God closes the water, smashes them all. I mean, unbelievable stuff these guys experienced. They saw and experienced stuff that you and I, in our wildest dreams, wish we could see. They saw it every day and uh, so God brings these people into the middle of the desert uh, gives them the Ten Commandments and then the law and all he basically creates out of a slave nation that had no structure he gives them all this you talk about structure structure on steroids I mean he gave them some serious structure and set up a new nation and said okay now we're going to go into the promised land Now, this whole time that they were out there experiencing all these things with God, they kept testing God. They wouldn't believe God. They were constantly whining and complaining, these people. I mean, they had it made in the shade. They didn't even have to work. They'd wake up in the morning, there's food already laying on the ground. I mean, these people had it amazing. When things got rough, God would always come through. If they were thirsty, water would come out of nowhere. It was amazing. But in spite of all these miracles, and I'm talking about stuff you see, miracles, they just wouldn't get to a place of faith. Which, by the way, a lot of times people say today, you know, how come we don't see more miracles? And stuff? Why doesn't God do more miracles today? Because all you got to do is read this. And you'll see why. Because it's not seeing with this that makes a difference. It's seeing with this. When you get to a place of faith and you can trust and believe God without seeing jack squat, man, that's when the power of God really gets loose in people's lives. That's life-changing. Because these people saw stuff you and I wish we could see. And it meant jack squat to them. And they were constantly whining and complaining. You know, several times God just wanted to squish them all like bugs. If I were God, that's exactly what would happen. Nothing but a big grease stain in the desert. Start over. 
So anyway, they finally get to the, coming up to the promise. This didn't take very long, by the way. I mean, this, is, this happened forever. Just amazingly accelerated pace, making a nation out of nothing overnight. Brings them to the border of the land. So, okay, you guys, we're going to go in there. We're going to check it out. So now, he said, send one guy from each of the tribes. There were 12 tribes of Jacob, had 12 sons. Eventually, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. That's where you get the 12 tribes of Israel come from these 12 sons of, of Jacob. And uh, they sent one guy from each tribe, and they sent him for 40 days. They checked out this land. Well, when they came back, they said, you guys, this place is amazing. I mean, this is a place they call, that flows with milk and honey. That's where you get that phrase, flowing with milk and honey. This is the promised land. This is an amazing place. Well, two of them, one of you, two, two of them, I had to think for a minute, two of them, uh, Joshua and Caleb said, man, this is going to be fabulous. Let's go in there and kick butt. All right? But the other ten went, it's a great place, but we can't do it. We just can't do it. Now, never mind. God had just been doing amazing stuff every day in front of their face. But when God says, go in and take the land, oh, we can't do it. We can't do it. They're too big. They're too big. They're really big guys there. We're like little people. We're like little Puerto Rican people. Look at those guys. They're huge. They're yo mama people. And we pick it up in the story now in Numbers, the 14th chapter. Well, that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. (laughs) And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said, if only we'd have died in Egypt. <laughs> Egypt. <laughs> if only we were dead. <laughs> I wish I was dead. Don't you wish you were dead? Yes, of course. I wish we were all dead. <laughs> or at least in this desert. Can we just die in this desert? Look, it's a nice place to die. Can't we just die here? Why? Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only to let us fall by the sword. They're going to kill us. They're going to kill us all. <laughs> Our wives and children will be taking us plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Oh, let's go back to Egypt. Now remember, these people for 430 years had been praying, God save us. This place stinks. This is lousy. We're slaves. we got no say in our lives. This just bites. God, get us out of here. Finally, God brings them out of here. And what do they do? I want to go back to Egypt. (laughs) Why? Because oftentimes it's easier to go back to what we're comfortable, familiar with than to step out in faith and trust God. And they whined and they bellyached. Then they said, let's choose a leader. Let's go back. Let's go back. Anybody got a GPS? How do we get here? Let's get out of here. Well, then Joshua and Caleb, these two confident guys, get up. They were among those who explored the land. They tore their clothes. These guys were all so dramatic all the time, you know, crying and tearing stuff. They said to the entire Israelite assembly, Look, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. You should see this place. And if the Lord is, is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And He will give it to us. Now, He is speaking based on experience here. 
This isn't just pie in the sky stuff. And, and by the way, if, 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 unless the Lord points me in a different direction, next Sunday I want to preach a sermon entitled uh, uh, the, the Fine Line Between Faith and Stupid. <laughs> Don't miss it. All right? But this wasn't stupid. I mean, these guys, there's like little, they really didn't have to have any faith. They saw stuff every day, miraculous every day. You know how we got to, we bow our eyes and close and we focus on God when we pray? They did. God followed them everywhere. During the day, he, he was this gigantic pillar of cloud and smoke. Can you imagine? You're walking in here and up here is just this. And then at night, it would turn into a big pillar of, of fire. Without burning anything up. I mean, holy stinking cow. This is before light bulbs. They had their own light bulb in the middle of the night. Just all night long. They didn't have to say, gee, I wonder if there's a God. Is there a God? Yeah, look where he's right there. There's no faith. I wonder if God will do anything for us. Yeah, well, look, you're stepping on my food. Oh, yeah, there's food every morning. You just wake up, there's food on the ground. Man, I just... There's, see, this, this wasn't like they had no point of reference. Joshua's God has been... He just kicked the Egyptians' butts. In our favor. Talk about the Super Bowl, baby. They, they made a big time here. God was with them. He says, come on. God has been with us every step of the way. Let's go in. He says we can take the land. Let's go in and take it. This place is amazing. Just don't rebel against the Lord, he says. And don't be afraid of the people of the land, man. God is on our side. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. God's not on their side. The Lord's with us. This God, this God that's been doing all this stuff is on our side. Do not be afraid of them. So he gets up there and he gives us great, rousing, we can do it, speech to the congregation. And the congregation looks at him and goes, hmm, we ought to stone these guys. Now that's a bad day. If I get up there and preach a sermon that encourages you, and at the end you think, let's stone him to death. And that's a that's not effective communication or something. Good grief. He gives him this rousing thing. Let's kill him. I want to kill him. You got a rock? Anybody got a rock? Let's kill this guy. Holy stinking cow. Now I gotta tell you, the one thing I love about this church and about being up here freezing our butts off is that by and large, this is a group of people that wants to trust and believe God. When we first showed up and said, hey, we're going to go a new direction and we're going to start doing these things and these campus ideas and stuff like that, I thoroughly expected at least a good quarter of you to want to stone me to death. <laughs> at least say, you know, wow, we can't do it, we can't do it, that's crazy, who's ever heard of that? But none of that. I mean, when I share with other pastors, when I said, what we did, we came and we took a whole new direction, they said, well, did they kill you? <laughs> I said, no, what'd they do? They all said, yeah, let's do it! And I'm, they're just draws drop open. I'm saying, this is fabulous. I love being part of this congregation because it's not a matter of we can't do it. It's like, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's trust God. I mean, you guys are behind it and I can't tell you how excited that is for me. At least you're not picking up rocks. Well, God gets ticked off. Okay, now you can imagine. God is seriously hacked by this time with these people. They've been doing this over and over and over and over. They wouldn't stop. So God says to Moses, he says, how long will these people treat me with contempt? This is God now. You're treating God like a piece of garbage over and over and over again. 
How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the miraculous signs I have performed among them. Again, people, do not forget, you need to see here more than you need to see here. This will change you. This will leave your heart hard, as it did with them. So God basically says, let me kill them all. This is like the second or third time God has finally had it with these. Moses, just let me kill them. We move on. And Moses always prays for him. I mean, God bless Moses. He just, he just, they love Moses. So Moses prays. And he says, Lord, in, co- in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people. Just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. Yeah, he's forgiven them all the time. Because they were such obnoxious snots, these people. So God says, okay, I will forgive them. The Lord replies, I have forgiven them as you've asked. Nevertheless, As surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me these ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their fathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Okay, and now this is a major biblical moment This is like one of those yo mama moments in the Bible that sets the course of a nation. This is where God says you will not go into the promised land and you're going to wander around for 40 years. This is why they wandered around for 40 years in the desert. It wasn't that they were lost. God wouldn't let them in. They couldn't go back to Egypt. They couldn't. So they just walked around and around and around and around. He's just waiting for them all to die off. By the way, God will wait you out. I'm amazed at people who just fight God in their lives. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. What, you think God's going to give in? He'll wait you out. Even if you got to drop over dead. Like God's all stressed out. Oh, he doesn't want to do what I want. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Don't fight God for crying out loud. So he says, so tell him, as surely as the Lord lives, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. Be careful what you wish for. What do they say? I wish we die in the desert. I wish we were dead. God says, okay. In this desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more. Now think how much of a drag if today was your birthday. (laughs) I mean, what a drag. You just turned 20. Every one of you, 20 years or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except for Caleb and Joshua. As for your children, the ones you said, oh, we're going to lose the kids, we're going to lose the kids. (laughs) I will bring them in to enjoy the land you rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in this desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering because of your unfaithfulness. Until the last of your body dies in the desert. For 40 years. One year for each of the 40 days. Remember for 40 days they explored the land. One year for each of those days. You will suffer for your sins. And know what it is like to have me against you. You aren't going to enjoy this. I the Lord have spoken. And I will surely do these things. To this whole wicked community. Which is banded together against me. They will meet their end in this desert. Here they will die. Well, when Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. (laughs) Constantly crying, these people. 
Now check it out. Early the next morning. Now I want you to think this through with me. The night before, God says, go in and take the land. They say, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. I wish we were dead. The very next morning, after God says, okay, now you can't go in. Look what they do. Early the next morning, they went up to the high hill country. We've sinned. They've said, but we're going to go up into the place the Lord has promised. We can do it. We can do it. Are these people on drugs for crying out loud? One minute. They're saying, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. Next minute, he says, okay, God says, you can't go in. Wait a minute. We can do it. We can do it. No problem. But Moses said, what are you doing? Why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Don't go up there. Because the Lord now is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you've turned away from the Lord. He will not be with you. He will not be with you. They didn't believe it. You'll fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the high hill country. They actually went up and went for it. Even though the day before, the evening before, we don't know that 24 hours have even passed here. The evening before, they are wailing and crying bitterly. (laughs) Less than 24 hours later, they are marching as an army to go in. Well, it says Moses and the ark didn't go in. Moses made, I ain't going with you cats. You don't have a nice time storming the castle. You know, these guys were on their own. And they go up there. And the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. They got their butts handed to them on a platter. Unreal. You see, unbelief kept them from going in. And then unbelief made them go in. Either side, the same, the side of the same coin, the very same act, whatever was unbelief, they would react that way. If unbelief says, don't go, we're not going. If unbelief says, go, then we're going. How in the world is that even possible? Well, here's the analogy for us. What's the point, Pastor? Let me get to the point. God has given all of us a promised land. A life filled with blessings, success, answered prayers, miracles, and joy. It's what we teach about in the New Testament. This is the gospel, the good news that has been preached all over the world for the last 2,000 years. Saying to people, look, if you will experience Christ, he will so bless your life, so transform your life. You will be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that's exactly what you read in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, as these guys went out, man, these guys were the Jedi warriors of the day. They went out kicking butt and taking names. God was with them. did amazing things. They changed the world, people, in a handful of years without killing anybody. There's other religions that have risen up, you know, get armies and kill a bunch of people. Yeah, kill enough people, they'll finally agree with you. They didn't kill anybody. No violence. They did it because God was so powerful, so effective in their lives. The pagans around them would look at the Christians and go, holy stinking cow, I want to be like that. And I want you to think about this. They did this 
in an atmosphere that threatened them, that said, if you do this, we will kill you. If you will become like these people, we will kill you. Nero used to capture Christians and dip them in wax and burn them alive in his gardens at night for illumination. They would mark, mock them and laugh them for ed- entertainment. They would throw them to the lions in the Colosseums. But their lives were so blessed. They were full of such joy. They experienced so much of heaven in their lives. People looked at them and said, man, I want to be like that. Even at risk of losing their own lives. They changed the world. They brought down the Roman Empire. That's the promised land. But we have two types of Christians today. Who are more motivated by unbelief. Just like the Israelites. The first group are the people who do not believe God will be with them. And refuse to step out in faith and experience the promised land in their lives. These are the people who come to faith. They sit in church. They've experienced God in their lives. But they're such prisoners of their past and their failures. They spend their time in unbelief and depression. Crying. I wish I was dead. I just wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. I just, my life is so awful. It's so awful. Well, why don't you trust God and believe God? I can't. I can't. Did you pray? I tried praying. How long? A day and a half. It didn't work. These, and, 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 and make no mistake, the, re- the reason these people in the, in, in the Old Testament did this, they were slaves for 430 years. See, that's the power of doing something, even if it's miserable and painful to you. It's familiar to you. And these people desired more to be part of that system than to trust God. Some of you struggle with that very same thing. Some of you, not even for two faults of your own. Some of you, you know, the, the, the sin patterns you've been in for so long. Some of you were abused physically, sexually, emotionally. And that miserable hell that you experience at some level is more familiar to you. You've been a slave so long, you refuse to really believe God in your life. And you stay in a place of misery and unbelief. And you won't go into the promised land. Then you've got group number two. These are the people who do not believe that God won't be with them. Despite their blatant sins and rebellion against God. And they think they can experience the promised land anyway. These are the people... And you hear me preach about it all the time. They come to Christ. They're sitting in church. They believe God. But they do things that are blatantly, obviously against biblical teaching. Lying, cheating, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, and sexual sin up to their eyeballs. Looking at porn. Feeling up their girlfriends. And I'm not talking people in high school. I'm talking some of you in your 30s, 40s, and 50s. say, well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because they tell me. They tell, they tell us all the time. They come to us and it, as if there's nothing wrong with it. And we say to them, they say, well, why does my life stink? Well, look what you're doing. Oh, what's that going to do with anything? It doesn't matter. God will still be with me. I don't, I don't have to quit doing it. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, we're kind of married anyway. Yeah, it's kind of like kind of pregnant. 
Oh, that doesn't matter. You know, I can sit up till porn at three in the morning, you know, playing with myself. That shouldn't matter. I, I, I can take the land. I, I can do it. I can do it. And they get their butts handed to them on a platter. You think this stuff doesn't matter. It matters. Listen, I don't hate you. I'm not condemning you guys to do this. But you're delusional. If you think you're going to take the promised land. And this isn't going to keep you out. God will not be with you. But he forgives me. He forgave them. He forgave them. Well, I believe in forgiveness. Great. We preach forgiveness. He'll forgive you. But you think you're going to the promised land? You are on drugs. You ain't going jack squat anywhere. Kind of mean. I look. I don't care what you do. It doesn't bother me. You want to feel each other up? How's that bother me? You want to play with the flesh? It doesn't touch. I just don't touch me. You know. <laughs> you think that affects me? It doesn't change my life one iota. I'm in the promised land. Hallelujah! I'm kicking butt, having fun. But you can't keep deluding yourself. Two people, two versions. One, I won't believe God because I just can't, because they're so familiar to the past. And the other who thinks, oh, it doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter what I do. I just do what I want to do. My life stinks, but I don't know why. Honestly, there's like no connection in people's minds today between what they do in life and what they get. It's, it's amazing. I talk about this all the time. I will talk about this till we all drop dead. I will not stop. What you do matters. Jesus taught us what you reap, you will sow. What you sow, you will reap. Sorry. What you sow, you will reap. Stupid in, stupid out. Guaranteed. Smart and smart out. Sin and sin out. Faith and faith out. But we live in a culture today where people, they do not get it. I am stunned. Absolutely stunned. I've used this analogy before. I'll use it till the day I die. It's like, it's like a farmer who's crying because he has no crops. He goes, <laughs> I got no crops. <laughs> All the other farmers have crops. <laughs> I don't have crops. I need crop counseling. <laughs> Pastor Mark, will you talk to me? Would you do crop counseling, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, come see me. Okay, okay. What's your problem? I got no crops. Everybody has crops with me. Well, let me ask you a question. Did, did you plow the ground? What? Did you plow the ground and put in fertilizer and seed? Oh, no. Well, why not? I don't want to do that. Well, you're not going to have, you're not going to have crops. But I prayed. Well, that's good. It's good to pray. There's the fine line between faith and stupid. I'm all for prayer. But you can pray all year long for crops. But you don't plow the ground. You don't sow into the ground. You ain't going to get jack squat. You're going to get nothing but a bunch of weeds. And you point out to them the reason they're not getting anything is because they didn't do the right things and they look at you like you dropped in from Mars. And I love you. I love you all. I love the ones that do that. I still love them. But I will not play games with you. I'm not going to tell you, oh, don't worry, it's okay. It's okay, it doesn't matter. God will forgive you, God will forgive you. Yeah, he will. 
but you're not going to get into the promised land. You got to ask yourself, do you just want to get into heaven by the skin of your teeth? Or do you want to go in taking names and kicking butt? Man, I want to go in in glorious fashion. Hallelujah. It's no fun to have a life that stinks. It's no fun to have a life where you're always defeated. It's no fun when nothing works for you. It's no fun when the blessings of God are not behind you and empowering you to go out there and change the world. I want to change the world. I tell my staff all the time. I probably shouldn't say this. Can you handle this? You don't know what I'm going to say. How do you know? (laughs) I got my own personal little slogan around the office. Let's change the world. It sucks. That's my motivating phrase every day. Let's go change the world. It just stinks. Let's do it. We can do it. Why are you doing it? Why are you starting all these campuses? Why are you doing all that stuff? Why don't you just be happy in your little church? Because I want to change the world. Why do you travel all over the place and spend all this time and this energy? This must be exhausting. It must be exhausting. Yeah, sometimes it is. Why do you do it? I want to change the world. Why? It's fun. I hate the devil. I hate the devil. When I die, I want the devil to finally go, thank God. Thank God he's dead. (laughs) All right, bring the ushers and stuff. Go go on, everybody. Before the pastor strokes out this morning... That was an interesting message. Yeah, the pastor stroked out right at the end. I don't know what happened there. Is it? <sighs> well, the question is, where are you going to be at? Those are the two groups. I got good news for you. There's a third group. There's the third group. There's the remnant. They're the Joshua's and the Caleb's. That say, you know what? We can do this. We can obey God and do the right stuff. We can trust God and live by faith. His word is true. There's a group of the people who take hold of the promises of God and actually experience the promised land of God's blessings in their lives. Hallelujah! That's the group I want to be part of. My question to you this morning is, what about you? What group are you going to be part of? Do you want to be part of the group that just is so caught in the past you can't step out and go into the promised land because all you can think of is I don't know I don't know we can't do it I wish I was dead I wish I was in Jesus loves me I wish I was dead for the Bible I wish I was dead you're going to be like that group you're going to be like the group that thinks, ah, I can do it. God forgives me. It doesn't matter. I'll fornicate, lie, cheat, commit adultery. Ah, that's, that's okay. It's okay. No, no big deal. I, I can go. I can do it. What's the luck with that? Or do you want to be part of the group that's going to do the right thing, trust God, and truly experience God's blessings in your life? That's the group I want to be part of. What about you this morning? Maybe you're here at a celebration campus and Probably thinking a couple of things. <laughs> Who's that idiot on the screen? Number one, but uh, maybe thinking, you know, I've I've never really experienced God's grace in my life. We're getting ready to take communion. 
This is what Christianity is all about. I mean, this is the moment. This is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He died on that cross for you and me. His body was broken so we could be whole. His blood was shed that could wash us clean of all our faults and mistakes and sins. Have you experienced that wonderful grace of God in your life this morning? If you haven't, we're going to pray a prayer all together. We're going to give you an opportunity where you can experience God's forgiveness in your life. And I'm going to invite everybody to pray this with us. And it's not that everybody needs to get saved every week in Celebration Church. That's not why we all do this. We just do this so that it'll feel comfortable for those taking the first step. But as we pray this prayer, you need to ask yourself, you who are already part of this world, what group are you going to be part of, man? Make a decision. I love what Joshua eventually says. He stands up to the people and says, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Make a decision and do it today. Are you going to be part of group one? Part of group two? Or are you going to get this right and say, let's be part of group three. Let's do it right. Let's trust God and let's experience the miracles of God in our lives. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads in a word of prayer. I'm going to invite everybody to pray. And again, if you have not ever taken that first step of faith, join us in this prayer. And if you will mean this, you can start your first step of faith this morning and you can experience God's forgiveness in your life. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You can get a taste of the promised land this morning. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. 